Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It's Tom from the Tottenham Way here. I was fully anticipating having a week off due to me getting married at the weekend, as I'm sure most of you saw. But Dan, as you know, is friend first, boss second, and was very adamant that I would do the read at the beginning of the episode as normal. Um, so as a lot of you know, we are sponsored this year by Harry's. Harry's is a shaving company over from the US who are making their way over to the UK to offer the deals that they've proved so popular over there. As usual, if you go to harrys.com slash Tottenham, it will take you straight to the promotion page. And what that promotion does is get you a trial set for £2.95. Now, usually that would cost you £11.95. And what you get out of that trial set is a blade. You get a protective cover you get some shaving gel and you get a nice little travel kit that it all comes in it's a really good deal we're going to be with them all season because we really like the deal that they're offering and we think that everyone's going to take it up and be really impressed with the product that they get provided with so again go to harrys.com slash tottenham take advantage of the deal it really helps us out and it helps harry's out too so I'm not going to be on the main podcast this week. Um, it's all Dan, so I've got absolutely no idea what they were talking about, but I'm presuming they're still all quite hungover from the wedding. But regardless, enjoy it, and I will see you next week. Hello, welcome to the Tottenham Way podcast. I'm Dan Kilpatrick. Uh, if you're a normal listener, you'll know that Tom usually presents the show and introduces the show, but very selfishly, he got married uh, this weekend on Saturday, so he's not around. He's on a kind of honeymoon, which isn't really a honeymoon. I think he's just basically taking the week off work and mincing around. But I'm joined by uh, a guest who's been on the show before, uh, Jack Hussey of course, of Rule the Roost podcast, uh, of Twitter fame. Um, I needed an, an experienced pair of hands to join me, and Jack, I'm hoping you're you going to be just that. You just needed another idiot foil, didn't you, really? Uh, yes, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, t- Tom um, obviously would have liked to be here, but I think it's, it's a good enough excuse, isn't it? Uh, questionable. You were there on Saturday. We, sh- we should do a little, a little bit of chat about the wedding. Yeah. It's very nice. It, it was. It was a glorious occasion. There was some emotions coming out of Tom that I, I didn't think he, he had. You know, I'm seeing Tom in a new light. I, I, I certainly am. I didn't really ever think of him as a kind of multifaceted, multi-emotioned human. I, I, I regarded him as um, a subhuman in many ways. And now I'm like, oh, actually, you were a real person. Some sort of grumpy podcasting trouble. Yes, he, he just kind of turned up and, and provided me a platform um, on which I could speak and express myself. And that was all he was really good for in my eyes. But having now been to his wedding and been really touched, I'm seeing him in a whole new light. And I've got to say, I think it was, um, it was nearly perfect. It was, wasn't it? It was, uh, it was a great day. He's definitely punching as well. Sarah's uh, oh, without doubt. Yeah, um, but honestly, yeah, there was nothing about Saturday that I would have thought 
oh, I would have done that differently, or no. I thought he organised it much better than he organises the average podcast. So uh, fair play, mate. If you're listening, um, obviously the, the day after I had a bit of a hangover for yesterday's game against Burnley, which which didn't make the whole experience uh, any better. I uh, think you were the only one judging by some of the performances, mate. <laughs> well, were you at Wembley? I was indeed, yeah, unfortunately. Well, we'll dive straight into it. I mean, I'll tell you what, for me, it just felt like we've played that game before. I feel like every game at Wembley is Spurs dominate, they have more chances, they're not clinical, and there's some kind of sucker punch. And I wrote a piece, a quite simple kind of look back over the games at Wembley under Pochettino for ESPN last week, and the theme was kind of domination failure to take chances and then a sucker punch and that was the Burnley game and it was the Chelsea game as well wasn't it like yeah. you're saying it, it, it felt very very similar um, I think what stood out for me more in this Burnley game as opposed to the Chelsea game especially in the first half it seemed like we were making just a few like fundamentally sloppy moves here and there like misplaced passes where there was no real pressure on again kind of giving away a few sort of dodgy dodgy kind of set pieces and things like that um, and defensively we just seemed to be so shaken every time Burnley came anywhere near sort of our our section of the pitch mm. I mean it felt like a lot of simple passes were, were just going astray I think someone like Dyer was particularly guilty yeah and he's normally someone who in the kind of best possible way you don't notice him for long periods of the game because he's just doing his job He's dropping between the defenders. He's keeping the ball moving. I felt like a lot of the time I was like, "Oh, there's Eric Dyer giving the ball away again." And I wonder, it was the same in the Champions League last season. That is the kind of thing that you could say. Well, it's the players not feeling at home. It's them not feeling comfortable. It's them not feeling in the comfort zone on that pitch, which is obviously bigger than they used to. Yeah, I mean, because obviously you're having those kind of takes now after the game where people are saying that. There is no such thing as a curse, you know, the Wembley curse doesn't exist, we just need to go over it, which, yeah, of it, well, I mean, if you if you choose to believe, such as myself, an agnostic, that, you know, there might be something else, but who knows, curses and such, I don't really subscribe to that uh, in a supernatural sense, but to completely ignore the fact that the press talking about something, all of the fans talking about something, is not going to get into the heads of the players. It's nonsense. It, it absolutely will. Um, and whether or not there's, whether or not you feel there's any reason for us to have these issues at Wembley, and however you, whatever you want to attribute it to, be that a curse or be that the lack of atmosphere or players not having familiar kind of markers on the pitch by which they play their normal passes, which could account for things like misplaced passes and such. Um, to say that Wembley, you know, it shouldn't have an effect is, you know, it's, it's... Oh, I totally don't buy that. I understand that people are fed up with the narrative about Wembley. I get that. But because we're having the same game there every time, that makes me more convinced that it's about the stadium. If it was like every single week Spurs were finding a new way to fuck up, oh, like this week it was this problem, this week it was this problem, then I'd, I'd probably be more inclined to say, well, it's... Is something else, but I think the fact that it's happening every week, you know, suggests there are fundamental issues in the team. 
obviously, a lack of pace, struggle to be clinical, but also it's, it's something about their environment that's not working for them. It, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, it's strange, isn't it? Because we, we went through that big period in like October last year, even though we were, we were still at White Hart Lane, we didn't have the sort of the Wembley issues aside for in the Champions League. We still kind of had a, probably a period where we were playing similar football to this, whereby it looked like we were lacking invention, uh, that perhaps our lack of pace within the side, even though then we had Walker and Rose, um, perhaps not Rose that period, I can't remember really when his injuries and stuff were, but um, it still just looked a bit disjointed. It looked like that a few of the players' heads weren't really you know, there yet, which is kind of how it feels at the moment. Like you touched on Dyer. Um, he hasn't, I, I don't think for the past couple of games, he's done anything particularly appalling, whereby I would say, oh, you know, he's, he's useless, he's been found out or what have you. But he definitely hasn't been good. Um, mm. And I would say he probably stands out in that respect. I mean, what, what, yeah. Aside from Dyer, mm. I mean, on a, Pochettino afterwards said this is a mistake that's both collective and individual, and I think what he meant by that is, you know, he took some responsibility and said it's always part of the manager's responsibility. And I think what he also meant is there were individuals making mistakes, but as a team, as a collective, it's not working for us. We're not playing as well as we should be. I mean, if you were to pick out the individuals, not that we want to make this into a witch hunt or, or scapegoat anyone, but you know, where, where's it not clicking? Who's not stepping up as perhaps they should be? I think... Oh, I don't know, it's tough really. I mean... Because a, a lot of people yeah. a lot of people were calling out Trippier for, for the Burnley goal. Right, I, that's probably fair. And, and he was poor goal. against Chelsea as well. He, he was poor against Chelsea and he, he was probably quite poor for the goal. But... In some ways, I think it's it's quite, and I'm probably guilty of it, but it's it's quite easy to lump everything on Kieran Trippier. You know, we've had Kieran, we've had Kieran Kyle Walker go. It's our yeah, largest and highest profile departure we've had probably out of this whole unit, other than maybe Bentaleb. I mean, Walker is much higher profile. Oh, yeah, 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 but I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, in terms of like at the period at which we lost Bentaleb, yeah, it's probably I don't know relative value, but probably not actually, but. Um, no, not even close. <laughs> yeah. He hadn't been in the team for a year, but yeah, yeah no, but I know you said. I yeah. think it's probably like Trippier. The, the, he was pissing me off yesterday, but then I had to keep sort of reminding myself. Ultimately, this guy's a, he's a solid squad player. He's somebody that I think is pretty reliable to come in, and you you know is a, a capable pair of hands if your first choice is not available to you. So I think really getting too angry with him as an individual is probably unfair because I think he's 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 fulfilled what what's been asked of him for the past couple of seasons without kicking up a fuss and he stepped in admirably last season for example you know he he, he did a decent job um, and I just think what we're seeing now really is that he's he's not really of a quality that is gonna propel us into being a league winning team perhaps but then I mean, maybe I, this is that we need to realign our expectations for this season overall perhaps you know well I think it's yeah with Trippier I think it's fair to say that a few assists against Watford don't make yeah. a top class right back and I think 
actually, from my point of view, one of the things the club did very, very well over the Walker deal was they kind of made that whole situation really quite palatable to the plan, to the fans by easing Trippier into the team at the end of last season for, for games in a settled team that Spurs you know, were expected to win. I mean, I know it was Man U and Arsenal, but still, they were, they were home games at White Hart Lane, Spurs were absolutely flying, and and they they did a great job of, of making everyone say, well, we've got Kieran Trippier, and I saw kind of you know, leading journalists saying this as well, well, Trippier had already replaced Walker in the Spurs team. Of course, that was bollocks. <laughs> Walker was fully first choice last year. And I think kind of the first two games at Wembley have sort of made everyone think again and go, well, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, he was just a backup right back last year. He was just a guy who came in against Watford and Fulham and was brilliant before he played in those Arsenal and Man U games. Um, and I think, you know, we are going to do a, a transfer window special next week after the window. So we're not going to do too much on transfers today. That we will mention it, but it looks like Sergio Aurier is going to come in. Uh, and that's not particularly surprising because you know, Trippier has been the backup for the last two years and, and I don't think it was particularly realistic to just expect him to suddenly be as good as the first choice. No, and I think it's as much as Carl Walker-Peters had a great debut as well. I think there's, yeah. a, there's a ridiculous amount of expectation being placed on his shoulders at the moment with it, 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 just in so much as I've heard people saying... Well, he was man of the match in the first game, so why is Trippier instantly taking his place in the team? But the more you look at that Carl Walker-Peters debut, Wanyama obviously wasn't fit. He played against Chelsea, unfit. He was back out the squad for yesterday's game. Obviously, the injury still isn't right. Winks isn't fit. He's... uh, he said he's kind of pulled out of the England under-21 squad or agreed with the England under-21 squad that he's not going to play because he's still got pain in his ankle. So he's going to work on it. So if you actually look at the options Pochettino had at St James's Park, bearing in mind Trippier was injured, there wasn't a lot he could, could have done. He could have put Dyer right back, but then he had no one to come in and centre midfield. So I'm not you know, mugging off Walker-Peters. He did very well at, at Newcastle, but I don't think it's realistic to, to think that he's the answer. Having said all this, by the way, I think that goal was a, was a 50-50 uh, split, blame-wise, between Trippier and Alderweireld. I, I was going to say, mate. I don't, I, I don't think it was all on poor old Kieran. If, if I can be potentially controversial. Please, do. that's why you're here. <laughs> Big opinions, <laughs> yeah. Um, out of all of our kind of established top dogs... I really think Alderweireld struggles at Wembley. Well, look, think back. I completely agree. And I think he's the one who has struggled the most of everyone at Wembley. And if you think back to the FA Cup semi-final, when he fouled, was it Pedro? I think it was, yeah. In the fourth minute, whatever it was, it was because he didn't know where he was on the pitch. And obviously... Spurs are used to playing this high defensive line and there's a certain amount of space in behind them at White Hart Lane. And they and Vertonghen's on record as saying, you know, we know that so well, it's, it's automatic. You know, they, they knew how much space was behind them. And it, obviously with the bigger pitch, it's like they weren't quite sure how much space there was. And suddenly Pedro was around the back and Alderweireld was fouling him. Uh, and, and that was so uncharacteristic because he barely gave away a foul at White Hart Lane. I mean, that's no exaggeration. It was honestly something... It was less well under a foul a game last year at White Hart Lane. 
it's, it's interesting you say that about the space though because that, that's what I would say I, I noticed like after kind of I think sort of within 10 minutes Burnley had had two or three kind of meaningful progressions towards our goal and it just seemed to be from where I was sat because I was, I was sat up at that end of the pitch um, where Burnley were attacking into the sunlight um, and it just seemed that every time they were coming at us Alderweireld, he just that kind of confidence and that class that he exuded all throughout his time at White Hart Lane seemed to evaporate, and it it just it, it looked to me every time they were coming at us, he just seemed so unsure of where he was on the pitch and who was around him, and he just kept kind of looking around for Vertonghen constantly and was just peddling back, and he just he looked a, headless chickens a bit unfair, but. He just looked very unsure of himself. He wasn't the same, given no. how just incredibly good he was yeah. at White Hart Lane. I know exactly what you mean. And, and, and I think by contrast, he, yeah. Vertonghen looks more comfortable, I he think. Does. He does. Vertonghen was probably the, the best Spurs player for me against Burn. Yeah, against sure. Burnley. So it, it's interesting that one seems to have adapted to, to that extra space and, and that new environment and one doesn't. And I wonder, actually, an interesting thing Pochettino said about Sanchez on... Uh, Friday last week in the pre-match press conferences that he one of the things they spotted about him was that he settled very quickly at Ajax uh, and he liked playing Pochettino used quite a nice turn of phrase he said he liked playing with risk at his back which I think means space in behind yeah uh, and from what I've seen of Sanchez of sort of you know the classic like YouTube clips he's there's all these moments where he someone's kind of breaks through and he's the guy who kind of sprints back, catches up with them and puts in a, a kind of incredible last-ditch challenge. Um, you know, no doubt someone like Paolo Maldini would say, well, if you're making that challenge, you've already made a mistake or something. Or something. Yeah, 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 but, you yeah, know, yeah, nonetheless, yeah. I wonder whether the the fact that Wembley is a bit bigger and the fact that you might need that, you know, Vuitton and Alder Road aren't slow, but I wonder if you, Potch is thinking, you know, that extra yard of pace mm. is going to be really, really helpful at Wembley. Someone that can actually get back once someone has got in behind the high line because that's the reality of it that, that there is going to be more opportunities for people to get into that space at Wembley than at White Hart Lane it's just just a fact really I do think also probably to be fair to Alderweireld as well um, in terms of like the comparison between him and Vertonghen I think although they're both you know perhaps short of what people would want as our first choice wing backs I think of the two Davis is probably at the moment m more capable in his oh, position yeah. in Trippier is and yeah. so Olivares probably carrying a bit of that burden as well with, with Trippier yeah. by his side but that I think that's almost a bit of a get out of jail free card yeah and that was a nice point that Tom made last week actually which was that if Poch is playing a back three and Sanchez comes in as the, the right-sided centre-half with extra pace and it's Trippier as a wing-back you've then got a bit more pace on that right-hand side that you don't have if, say, Dyer's playing there because Sanchez is going to be a bit quicker. Uh, another player we should talk about is obviously Harry Kane. Uh, another hoodoo to talk about as well. Uh, I think 12 games now, 12 league games in August or possibly 13. I haven't double-checked without a goal. And it's surprising, given that the rest of the year he scores probably a hat-trick on, on Sunday. Especially with some of those chances he had on Sunday as well. I mean, the last, 
the last player that I'm going to really call out for massive criticism is Harry Kane. But in the interest of balance, you have to, you know, tell it like it is yeah. and say that he probably should have put away at least one. Of, I think he had three kind of clear-cut chances. He had um, one where the ball was kind of uh, squared into him when he was sort of just inside the box and he flashed it slightly wide. And he had that kind of like one-on-one with Heaton who managed to... And Heaton had a good performance. Yeah. The, the, he's what, a decent keeper as well. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, their, he's their captain and he's England third keeper, isn't he? He's, so, yeah. he's certainly not a bad keeper. Um, the only one that where I thought it looked like Kane's bearings were off was that one where he hit it first time, kind of across, tried to end yeah. the bottom corner, side foot, and yeah, it ended up four or five foot wide. It's, it's funny because he doesn't seem to be doing anything differently. Like, no. he's still getting in those positions, and I, that's the kind of thing that you know, makes me not worried about it at all. It's not like he's disappeared and he's anonymous. Kane will never be. And he's generally one of our best players on the pitch as well. Yeah, he's, I think against Chelsea he was great. His hold-up play was just brilliant. Yeah. And Basically, I'm not worried, but it is one of those... It's, it's one of those things, isn't it? I hate to sound like Harry Redknapp, but it just... He hasn't scored in August and it doesn't seem to be happening for him. He, he is a slow starter, but he's obviously not quite just in tune at the moment. I think as well with Harry Kane, just going by what we know of his character and... You know, the amount of doubt he's had piled upon him from all circles, fans, media, um, even his own fans in the past. I think this idea of like, it, does this August hoodoo get to him? I, I don't really buy into that. I just think it's a, a not a happy coincidence, perhaps a miserable coincidence that mm. he hasn't scored in, in August for these three seasons. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been mitigating factors in the last two seasons, yeah. the Euros. And then this year, he's basically been really unlucky. Hit the post against Chelsea, hit the post against Newcastle. And, you know, credit to Burnley, I've got to say, they put bodies on the line. There are a lot of really good blocks in that game, not just from Kane. There was one from Ericsson, there was one from Ali, there was one from Son. When it mattered, they got something on the ball. And that was a big part of them getting a point, I think. They were dogged. They played well. Yeah. They were well organised as well. That was the thing I, I thought about Burnley. To give them their credit, it might not have been the you know the prettiest style of football. Um, well, Poch, Poch said that afterwards. You know, he said no matter where you play, Burnley, you know, Wembley, White Hart Lane, Turf Moor, what you know is they're going to be tough, physical, and organised, and kind of the quintessential Premier League team in that in that respect. So you're not going to get an easy ride against them. They're not going to kind of roll over and, and let no. you win comfortably. Uh, obviously, I mentioned that the Poch said. The, the result was a, a failing of uh, individuals and the collective. One individual that we should probably mention is Daniel Levy. Obviously, one major bit of transfer business over the line, Sanchez, and he made his debut against Burnley, albeit in a bit of a cameo. Gazaniga also paraded before the game, but I think we can probably uh, not talk about him too much. Is there a case that Levy has questions to answer about this slow start, given that Spurs are probably still well in Pochettino's mind anyway they're three or four players short it's, it's hard to say definitively isn't it when you're not there in the training ground I think a lot of people say oh you know we need new blood and they, they took on board a lot of what Danny Rose said in that BBC interview um, not his latter interview but the BBC interview yeah. at the tail end of last season 
when he was talking about you know everyone loves to have a bit of new blood around the training ground so you can you can probably take something from that but without being there in training every day you don't know how much of an effect the new players have on it how I don't I, I mean more in, in the sense that if you look to that bench yeah. on Sunday I at half time I thought you know no need to panic here Spurs are obviously on top mm. it does feel like a goal's coming and lo and behold Ali did score shortly after half, half time but I felt if this game was to carry on in the same vein with Spurs just not getting the breaks then who's going to change it I mean we, we know yeah. bless him that Vincent Janssen isn't going to do anything uh, we know that Sissoko is not going to do anything but he was alright when he came on he was alright yeah we know that Harry Winks isn't fit mm. uh, so it, it just I just felt like looking at the bench that honestly the, the most exciting change by far was Sanchez I said yeah. that basically just because we don't know anything about him and it would have been his debut but n- no one else on there made me think oh great get them on I, there is there is definitely something to it and I don't I don't discount it it's just it's a lot of what we've all been over in the summer um, in the respect that you know, to sign squad players now it, it, given the the climate if you like or I don't, I don't even buy that it's the climate I just think now that the, the transfer market has gone up a notch again um, as it does players are expensive now um, and if we perhaps do have a few top line targets that we're trying to get in over the line and we have budget assigned for them that if they are if the if the decision is that we want to pursue you know Sanchez or yeah, whoever else Mares or someone towards the tail end of the window Ross Barkley do we have 18 mil to go and splash on a squad player when we're actually aiming for kind of when we have set targets in mind um, and I, I'm, I'm not making an excuse for it as such because I do find it frustrating it would be nicer to get our business done um, probably in a, in a in a much quicker fashion um, I think it's a bit of a blessing for us that the transfer window is going to shut before the season starts next season is that confirmed or it's not confirmed so there's a vote on that on the 7th of September and actually Pochettino sort of suggested that Spurs might not necessarily vote that way really? but I think for the smaller clubs it's something they want to happen yeah uh, and obviously they outnumber the, the bigger clubs yeah. so I think it will happen uh, yeah it, it's you can't ever say this is the reason why Spurs tend to start season slowly but you've got to think that the fact that the squad is very rarely finalised until September is a factor. And, and yeah. I think this year, you know, I, there isn't much talk about an attacking player coming in. Fourth and Aurier will sign pending paperwork. And Barkley's been a target all summer. But you know, what I think Spurs are missing is, is pace in the wide areas and up front. And some, is Pochettino becoming a reverse winger? Do you think? A reverse winger. <laughs> yeah, in so much as like winger doesn't ever seem to address his defensive frailties, but we just seem to be mounting up a load. Well, of defenders. well, you know, let, let's let's talk about that because people, a lot of people have, have been saying, you know, why have we signed a goalkeeper and and well, presumably two more defenders plus Sanchez when we had the best defense in the league last year? It does it seem does, strange. It does seem a bit strange. Well, I think, I mean, I suppose the, the shift toward 4-3-3, three, three, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, 3-4-3 three, three is definitely a factor. Uh, 
the fact that Dyer has probably had a quiet word behind the scenes and said, I want to be playing in the field or I want to leave, which is purely my opinion, by the way. I just wonder whether that's happened. Uh, and the fact that Vimmer isn't trusting is, is probably, as we speak, having a medical at Stoke. So I think that there are reasons why buying a couple more centre-backs made sense. And I think, as I said on the sh- pod last week, if you looked at the eleven last year and you had to pick one player who was not in the top two or three in the league in their position, Dyer would have been that player. Yeah. You, you would have looked at Dyer and said, he's not in the best two or three centre-backs in the Premier League. Whereas there could be a case made for almost everyone else. So I think in that respect, buying someone to upgrade that position made a lot of sense. But it does seem strange, and and I do hope that Spurs have an ace up their sleeve, you know, a, a wing forward basically with a bit of pace who can score goals. Because I think without that addition at Wembley, there's going to be more games that We're crying that, out for it. Aren't yeah, we? we we really are, and there'll be more games like Sunday's one with, without the addition of that kind of player. Chinks too late to bring back Andros Townsend. Well, so someone tweeting that he's now worth £27 million which I think tells you everything you need to know about (laughs) the current market Uh, it is just absolutely balmy I mean the fact that Spurs have made a a £10 million profit on Vimmer from about 20 games 20 games and a lot of pastry yeah Um, let's let's move on a a little bit to obviously the, the the next few days we've touched on it we should try and address the Sergio Aurier situation, but I appreciate it's a kind of delicate one. Where do you where do you stand on his? Sorry for throwing you under the bus here because right. I know we haven't we haven't no, discussed this coming up beforehand, but people are talking about it, and I think it's an important one to to address. Yeah, it's it's well as you say, it's very I mean, delicate. Isn't what, it? what what I'll say at the moment is, it, I, from what I've heard and from what's already out there from loads of other people, is that he is going to sign if he gets a visa application essentially if it's approved for the home office and I think Lekeep who have been on top of this from the start was saying uh, they'll find out Tuesday I think with that in mind given that it's it's happening and I, I asked this on Twitter the other day like, is, a, is there a way that this could be made palatable for people and there is obviously a, a, a wide range of opinions um, so I'm not here to kind of dictate as to what should or shouldn't happen and how anyone else should feel about this deal because you know it's 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 very easy for for me to to say something as a as a heterosexual person um to 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 play a kind of byline that's like well you know as long as he shows contrition then that should be enough for everyone because it it, it may well not be enough for, for some people and you have to respect that um, and I think that's the important thing with anything like this. You always have to remember that your your take on things is always shaped by your own personal experience and your own personal circumstances. So what may seem ridiculous to you to somebody else isn't. Um, so that's that's something I always try to, to keep in mind. Um, in terms of how the club can deal with a situation like this, I think just for me personally, speaking about Aurier, um in a footballing sense, from everything I've been told, he's going to improve the squad exponentially. He's going to be a fantastic addition. Um, so, you know, in, in that sense, I don't think we can have many complaints. But in terms 
of you know the 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 off pitch stuff. I would personally like to see the club not shy away from people's concerns. I, I would like to see the club meet it head on and actually acknowledge um, acknowledge those concerns, primarily about the homophobic incident. Um, whether that's they have or yeah, you know, sit down with Spurs LGBT and attend some type of workshop or at least just a, 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 a frank and open discussion where people can air the appropriate grievances about this and perhaps get some personal assurances from him that he really does understand that what he said isn't acceptable um, and that he can understand why people are, are offended. But, uh, you know, there's people who dedicate their lives to this to this type of thing who probably have a much better idea of how this type of situation can be handled. But my kind of flat line on it is that I would like to see the club at least acknowledge it and not just pretend like there isn't this spectre hanging over the deal. Yeah, I think that that's that seems very fair. Yeah, I mean, I am believe I am a believer in second and third chances, but when you said the concerns need to be addressed, I think that's that's absolutely right. Uh, and I know that LGBT Spurs have been in touch with the club. They're not commenting in, in further until the deal's done, but certainly it's encouraging to know that there's already dialogue there between the club. And I think. You know, rest assured, the club is is very much aware that this isn't this isn't a simple signing. There's, I mean, the fact that you know, he he has this additional paperwork, you know, means it's out there. It's it's obvious his his baggage, uh, and I don't think it's going to be completely ignored. It, it simply can't be completely ignored. Um, the other player you might sign is, is Juan Fourth, obviously an Argentinian. I know you're of Argentinian heritage, so you must be Breaking tremendously excited. Brexit will be all over me now, <laughs> even more so. Well, I felt you know the, the, the I suppose the the only thing that, that really oh, I have to re-record that bit as well. <laughs> Thirty-three foot. Another slightly upsetting thing about Ori, I suppose, is he's gonna he'll take Lamella's crown as the most divisive player <laughs> among the Spurs fan group, which which was the one thing poor old Eric had left. But he now was, he's he was the man who who uh, divided fans the most, and now it's probably going to be old Serge. But don't worry, Eric. Do you keep that? Is he ever going to play for Spurs again? Um, is he? I think play so. Football again? I think so. I've got. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've got a feeling he's scheduled back for November, something like that. But, I mean, we've heard that before. I mean, as, as someone tweeted this week, I can't remember who it was, you know, how many times has Danny Rowe's been a few weeks from full fitness now? It yeah. seems like every week. And these, these, both these injuries really seem to be dragging on. Uh, but actually, you know, with Aurier in the team, with Danny Rowe's back in the team, suddenly... That's a whole different proposition, actually. We've been having talks about pace. Um, looking ahead, international break. Anything that interests you there whatsoever? Just that our players don't get injured. That's all, really. That's, that's all I can hope for. Agreed. Maybe. Perhaps nice to see Kane get a couple of goals on international duty to get his confidence up again a bit. Although... I doubt Harry Kane really suffers that much. Well, the thing that no one's actually mentioned is he has scored in August for England. So it's it's strictly a Premier League thing. Um, Too early to do an Everton preview. We don't know who we're going to have signed by then, but 
after international break, the first game back, we go to Goodison Park. Now, certainly, it, it feels a bit much to say this, but lose there and, you know, is it a crisis? How we look? How are we feeling? How are we looking if we lose there? But I mean, I was I was talking about this after the Burnley game. That I don't I, I don't think it's a crisis. I think it's maybe you know perhaps a, a, an isolated an isolated incident, should we say? Um, I think bigger picture, Spurs are going to be okay. I think we'll I think we'll we'll be in the top six. That's that's my prediction. I tend to think we'll still finish in the top four. Um, perhaps that might be optimistic but I, I think we have the quality to finish in the top four um, however I can understand why people were frustrated after the Burnley game I can understand why people were frustrated after Chelsea obviously um, and I can understand why people would be annoyed and worried were we to lose to, to Everton as well um, we've seen over the past couple of seasons how these small periods of poor form do cost us in the long run. Um, so I, I, I don't really buy into this idea that it's knee-jerk or you're losing sight of anything if you're at all bothered by the fact we dropped points against Burnley yesterday because, as we've seen over the past couple of seasons, this does count against us in the end and we're always lamenting those points at the end of the season. Um, so why not lament them now? I think it's... It, 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 it's not the kind of a, a mark of knee-jerkism or anything like that. It's you know, perhaps maybe you can argue that well, you need to maybe realign your expectations. We always knew Wembley was going to be tough, so you know we we can't be aiming for the league. Or lots of other people around us are punching for the league title um, who have spent all of this money that we haven't spent, and they have more resources than us. But then I don't think you can you can say that and then. Because that it's it's almost um, it's almost an oxymoron because you're saying well have have faith in Pochettino look at what we did last season what we did last season was challenged for the league title without all this money so I don't I don't think you can you can say you can use the money that other teams spend versus Pochettino's now as and when it suits that kind of agenda um, I think what we can say is Pochettino is a spectacular coach. The team that we have available to us is fantastic. Perhaps we're lacking a bit of depth, but we have seen that this is a squad that is capable of challenging teams that have spent a lot of money. It is capable of challenging for the league title. So for people to just suddenly switch that off to, to act like the past two seasons hasn't happened is it's, it's not realistic. And I don't think it's particularly fair. I think people can can be forgiven for hoping that we would kick on a level and maybe win the league this year regardless of Wembley or not so people are going to be disappointed when they see us repeating early season mistakes again mm. um, and, and interestingly Post, you know, the end of last season you kind of look back on that slightly slow start and that period in Walton where I think it was one win from 10 games in all competitions and he said you know, it wasn't about losing to West Ham it wasn't about mistakes made from January onwards, which included the defeat Liverpool, that you know these weren't relevant. It was it was those periods before Christmas that that lost Spurs the league or lost Spurs ch the chance to challenge for the league. And I think he'll be particularly frustrated. It, it seems to be happening again at the start of the season, but you know it, it's two, it's two results. You know there's, Spurs won at Newcastle on the opening day, and it's been two disappointing results since. 
it might be a good thing to get away from Wembley. I think it will be a good thing to play at Goodison Park because it is that kind of tight pitch, close atmosphere that the players have seemed to thrive in previously. And it's most similar ground to White Hart Lane, I think. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, as I said, we, we don't know how the squad's going to be looking injuries-wise after the international break or signings-wise, but certainly think we can feel optimistic about going up there. Um, before we finish, we're doing a slightly shorter pod this week. Uh, a few predictions about who will be at the club after Thursday. And now we know Vimmer's probably going to go. Do you see Big Vinny sticking around? Yeah, I can't. I think it's too late. I don't think we're going to sell him now. I don't think we're going to get a replacement in, in time for him. So it'd just be yeah. to let him go. Uh, GK. <laughs> the main man yeah <laughs> it's, mysterious, it's like a mysterious foot injury that's uh, ruled him out for the last few weeks I wonder if he's hauled up in a hotel somewhere well, else well yeah potentially yeah. Yeah. Uh, no I don't know yeah. uh, and any, any Barkley I think it would be were not for this injury that he'd just gotten come pre-season we'd probably be looking at signing, signing him but I'm, I'm not convinced it's going to happen I just feel like that's going to be you know at the end of the day 25 million Given in, in the current market where you know, I don't know what anything's worth anymore, I have no idea. But if Andros Townsend's worth 27 million, I you think feel like it'd be a good deal. I feel like Chelsea might just say, you know, that's such good value for a player that obviously is really talented and obviously has a big future under the right coach. Uh, I'd like to see Spurs sign him, I really would. Uh, Jack, thanks very much for joining me. Um, slightly chaotic podcast this week Tom is obviously the glue and this operation but he very selfishly not with us after his wedding but thanks for joining me Uh, we'll be back for a post transfer window special uh, and then obviously after international break we'll be uh, reviewing the 1-1 draw at Goodison Park until then Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.